Demons Discuss, Take 87, The One with Coal Fires and Foggy Mornings. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. What are we talking about today, Angela? We're talking about the Book of Life, Chapter 18, and no more pre-unions, as Zoe has pointed out. Now we're in for a full reunion. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I guess I'll bring up the TV talk later <laughs> to tie it into this, but... But I like this chapter very much. Me too. I know. There's it's... nothing controversial going on for me to rail or throw the book or my iPad or anything. No, it's, it's good. It's a sweet spot in the book as far as like it is the writing. It's comfortable. Yes, it's comfort food. So, Jean. Yes, ma'am. You said later on you had a change of heart about a character. In one of these episodes I was editing, would that happen to be in this chapter It could or another chapter? It could be this chapter. Could be this. I can't wait. <laughs> well, Jean, you're not alone. You are not alone. This is when I saw the light, yes. too. But it's the next chapter, his quote, that really yes. put the dagger in my heart. But this was a starting point. This is a starting point. Okay. So excited. Yes. <laughs> I promise I won't say I was right and I won't rub it in your face. I'll <laughs> get it out of the way and do it now. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> See, this is the shades, though, because you're Virgo, I'm Libra, Jean Scorpio. So you had a certain outlook on this character. I was like, well, Valerie sounds convincing. I'm going to be middle of the road like a Libra would be. And Jean was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. Our patrons help us pay for all the things, guys, like hosting, media hosting, web hosting, domains and renewals, cloud storage, equipment, and so much more. Like my sound effects that we highlighted uh, mm-hmm. last episode. And they're not going anywhere. So, hey, we're just going to keep paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it keeps us ad-free. You guys don't want to hear us mm-hmm. do ads because you hear us doing these Patreon spots and you see how that turns out, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Gene, why should other listeners become patrons? Other listeners should become patrons because for two small dollars a month, you get the after show on the off week. So you, you don't need to go any length of time without our lovely voices and ridiculous thoughts and observations on the world. And if and you cackling, yes, heckling and heckling and cackling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, it's the new popping and locking. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I'm it, fool. <laughs> as, you go up the, as you go up the levels, you get swag, stickers and buttons and tote bags and whatever else Val dreams up and our undying gratitude at every level. You'll never have to hear me read an ad and Valerie give me the game show loser horn. <laughs> Thank you for no, that. You, you might are, want that, but I thank you that sparing, we don't have to have that. You are sparing your fellow <laughs> listeners from the potential of ads about toe fungus. Right. Problematic poop. 
Um, is that a thing? It is now. God, some of the ads that get placed on some of these YouTube videos, holy crap. Literally, holy crap. Yeah, the, the problematic poop one I heard the other day was like, oh, man, I am so glad that we are blessed with patrons and we don't have to deal with this. So the problematic poop, I saw one on YouTube mm-hmm. where it's like a little stool that you stick your feet on oh, the, not place the, your... No, it wasn't the squatty potty. This was literally okay. some <laughs> health supplement so you're poop would be less problematic and you would fart less than 16 to 23 times a day as the average person does. And people don't want to take the vaccine. Okay, I digress. Sorry. (laughs) So there's your bit of trivia for today. Apparently people fart at least 16 to 23 times a day. Okay. So that $2 a month is well worth your your pocket Oh my God! Spare us from having to talk about things like that, and we'd wind up in a ditch just like this. And fired, right. we'd probably be fired. Yeah. Oh my God. So, if you're interested, Patreon <laughs> listeners, <laughs> go to patreon.com slant demons discuss okay so here we are discuss your emails and no i did not send a prompt but if you are one of our patrons i happen to mention hey if you feel like opining on chapter 18 feel free to send us an email and we got emails and speak pipes and let's go so who wants to start with their discusser email i will Yay. go ahead discusser in chief steven sent one hey, in steven. Steven. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. And he says right back, hello, delightful demons, and hello, September, to you all, too. I have just a few comments from the beginning of this chapter, but seem to have something irritating in my eyes when Diana was weaving sleeping spells for Jack at the end of chapter 18. Stop chopping onions. Yes. Yes. Happens to all of us. Yeah. Reading chapter 18, it still nags at me that the London vampire, Andrew Hubbard, uses the North American term when he asks Galloglass to bring the briefcase from the trunk. Instead of the boots. Yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't either. Okay. Bad dab. Bad editor. Shame on you. From the trunk of his car. I expected him to use the British term boot. Mm-hmm. For the rear storage compartment. At least he stored the missing page in a briefcase, not a bag with a waist strap. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is what we call the fanny pack, and that is forbidden over yeah, there so to say that. That's <laughs> something, yeah, entirely different. Yes. <laughs> they call it a what? A bum bag? Yeah, a bum, bum bag. bag yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Galloglass seemed too shocked by Jack's appearance to offer effective protection di- to Diana when she was being held tightly by Jack. It was left to Andrew to defuse the situation by identifying Jack to Matthew, some bodyguard. Mm. Mm-hmm. When did Andrew discover that Diana's form of address was Dr. Bishop? After tasting a drop of her blood in London, he called her Diana Bishop. Was he storing his knowledge of her life and professional qualifications for later use? I wonder. I'm going says. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take care, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. So good to hear from you. Yeah. Jean, who do you have? Yes, I have one from Kristen. And man, she really took the assignment to heart. So I'm going to probably hit the highlights and we'll put the full email in our show notes. All right. Dear Angela, Jean, and Valerie. Oh, boy. Chapter 18. Hold on to your lap bar because this roller coaster is about to get really interesting. Jack Libero must be version number 40 by now. Andrew Hubbard Mm. and Reams of Revelations. So many conversational bombs. Secrets being uncovered. 
word pain relived, but the joy of reunions is probably even stronger. And that's where yet more consequences of Matthew and Diana's past actions really come home to roost. Mm -hmm. Jack's painful life, yet more of Philippe's secrets, Benjamin's interference, vampire murders. You can almost visibly seeing the weight increasing on Matthew's shoulders and his own sense of self-worth going downhill yet again. So much of the reunion with Jack is huge. It's always Andrew Hubbard who sticks in my mind after this chapter. When I first read T-Ball, this was a chapter that completely shook my point of view of Andrew Hubbard. Creepy and prickly on the first reading of Sun, but here showing strength, loyalty, fierce caring, and a complexity of loyalties that makes my headache. So there, Val. I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yeah, well said. I was right! Uh, uh, uh. I was right! Uh, uh. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I wasn't the only one who was wrong, so there. All right. Go on. Do go go on. on. (laughs) Andrew Hubbard had no reason for the loyalty to the Claremonts, and yet he's helped keep Jack away from Matthew for centuries. My guessing is Philippe's orders and the fact that old Matthew wouldn't know anything about Jack anyways, but that just shows how complex Andrew Hubbard's fine line of operation between the de Claremonts and Benjamin really is. I love that Philippe really was as big as the Emperor's Bear and that Jack smelled of coal fires and foggy mornings. However, this chapter always leaves me with so many unanswered questions. Mainly, how did Jack and Andrew Hubbard find Matthew and Diana and how did they know to do so now and not at any point in the previous 400 plus years? How did Jack escape Benjamin and find Andrew again? I have a feeling that Jack's life is a whole other book that Deb could yet write. Yes, please. Yeah, I'll take it. Looking forward as ever to hearing what you have to say about this chapter and hope you have a relaxing rest of your Labor Day weekend, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for timestamping us. It is actually Saturday prior to Labor Day in the U.S. So, yay. Yay. Happy September, everyone. Yep. That would be interesting. Just like KMM Mm -hmm. in the Fever series, when she wrote that alternate chapter from Christian McKelter's point of view Mm -hmm. versus Danny, that would be totally interesting to see the watchers, Gallo Glass, Father Hubbard, Mm -hmm. even Philippe during these years, like what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Little snippets of like vignettes of their lives during this time and how they're touching the main characters Mm -hmm. surreptitiously. And you had to bring up Christian McKelter because now I'm thinking about him. (laughs) (laughs) I know, hard to forget. Exactly. I know. It's like, oh, I need to reread those Uh, books. (laughs) Oh, me too. Me too. God, I need to reread a lot of shit. It's been a a long drought. Anyway, I happen to have two speak pipes from the same individual. And this is from Julie. She calls herself Julie. Spoiler, sweetie, number 11. Okay, (laughs) here's the first one. Hello, lady demons. I hope that you can hear the chirpy, chirpy crickets as I sit outside and on a hot night in Vermont. Enjoyed this chapter. Hilariously, I used to work with a couple who acted very much like Diana and Matthew. The guy even looked a lot like Matthew Good. It's not fun to work around someone who feels like they are the gravitational pull of the world. It gets a little annoying. Love the information about the Boynich. I know I'm mispronouncing that. Live a lot closer to the Beinecke than I used to. Just wanted to say you guys got me through 2020. You helped a lot. Uh, We'd listen to you on the way to work to a doctor's office in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of a southern state who didn't believe it was a thing. Demon kisses to you guys. Please keep up the good work. This is Spoiler Sweetie. There's more. Here's her second one. Hello, darling demon divas. This is Spoiler Sweetie, sending in my second speak pipe in less than a month. I've listened to you guys for four years, and 
I don't usually do speak pipes, but when I do, I do them two at a time. (laughs) I'm sitting in a lovely Vermont graveyard um, beside Clarissa, wife of Asa Spaulding, who died in 1813. I hope that you can hear the bird that's going crazy and the crickets. Um, Just wanted you to know that you guys have seen me through four jobs and I've worn my Fitzio shirt to two of those on the last day. Um, I don't often go through jobs like that. It's just circumstances and COVID and moving to Vermont, but enjoying Book of Life. Just wanted to say that on par with the recording I'm hearing right now, looking forward to the Gala Glass takedown. What a weird interaction with he and Chris. Keep doing what you're doing. You keep me sane. Lots of kisses. Oh, oh, thank it. you. In the middle of a great yeah, year, so Thank you, Julie. Julie. <laughs> I know. If circumstances would ever allow a con or wherever, I love Vermont. cemeteries. They've always yes. been my thing. They've always been my thing ever since little. And I don't know. They just feel like home oh, to me. So like, I get remember, it. they are home to you. <laughs> I know. True. <laughs> Angela, we remember that one we yes. found? Oh, that was such a cool cemetery. Yeah, it was. They are home to you. They love you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new, there's, we'll get into this in the after show, but there's a new uh, sitcom coming out on CBS in the fall called Ghosts. And they she's like, thank God we can live in the country now. We're all, we're never alone. And she shuts a light out and all these ghosts appear like my house. It's like... <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's start the engine here. And this chapter discussion is brought to you by Kimberly Babcock. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Kimberly. Yay. Cheers. I haven't sent them their wine yet. She's a, Sorry. She's a wine girl. I know. <laughs> And we love Your you wine for is it. still downstairs. We, we'll <sighs> se- I'll send it seriously sometime. Anyway, it's now that it's cool- still hot. Now that it's cooling off, finally. Yeah, you know, second fall is the charm. Yes, second fall. <laughs> second fall. It's like second breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we left off. Shut. Remind me. We're doing chapter eighteen now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we left off in chapter 17. seventeen, and Diana had been faced with somebody who she knew once before. And it wasn't revealed in chapter 17, but here we are in chapter 18, and we know who this is. And it is Jack. And tell me how you guys felt on first read when you realized Jack was still alive. He was a vampire now. He had to have been. All the liberos that he has gone through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I blew up your messages, Val. (laughs) If you I, remember, I remember that correctly. <laughs> I'm like, have you got the chapter 18 yet? Oh my god! <laughs> I I do remember that. I was like, no, I'm not there yet. Angela, what were your thoughts on that? Didn't see it coming. Surprised, shocked, conflicted, and then less conflicted as the answers started being revealed. Some of the answers mm-hmm. started being revealed right. in this chapter. Were you sad that he had become a vampire? No, I was. We'll get to it. But I was sad that Annie died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was sad. <laughs> It's like we were so invested in her, especially, I I mean, I kind of had a feeling because they kind of closed out her storyline in the last book. They didn't do the same for Jack. So I was thinking we're probably going to, when we ended Shadow of Night, I I was thinking we're probably going to see Jack again. I I really believe that. But Annie, I was like, "Mm, yeah, I thought so, girl, they're Mm going to kill you off. So mm." (laughs) (laughs) sorry. All right, so let's begin. And Diana's thinking to herself, that voice, when I had last heard it, it was higher without the low rumble at the back of his throat. 
Those eyes, golden brown with gold and leafy green, they still looked older than his years. His smile, the left corner had always lifted higher than the right. Jack? I choked on the name as my heart constricted. A hundred pounds of white dog pawed out of the back seat of the car, hopping over the gear shift and through the open door, long hair flying and pink tongue lolling out of his mouth. Jack grabbed him by the collar. Stay, Lobero. Jack ruffled the hair atop the dog's shaggy head, revealing glimpses of black button eyes. The dog gazed at him adoringly, thumped his tail and sat panting to await further instruction. Hello, Galaglass. Jack walked slowly towards us. Jackie, Galaglass's voice was thick with emotion. I thought you were dead. And then Jack's like, I was. Then I wasn't. I <laughs> love that line so much. I was. Then I wasn't. Jack looked down at me, unsure of his welcome, leaving no room for doubt. I flung my arms around him. Oh, Jack. Jack smelled of coal fires and foggy mornings rather than warm bread as he had it when he was a child. After a moment of hesitation, he enfolded me with his long, lean arms. He was older and taller, but he still felt fragile, though his mature appearance were nothing more than a shell. I missed you, Jack whispered. Diana! Matthew was still more than two blocks away. (laughs) Wow, that's just weird. It's like, where did he come from? (laughs) Okay, that's right. He's a vampire. But he'd spotted the car blocking the entrance into Court Street, as well as a strange man who held me. From his perspective, I must have looked trapped, even with Galaglass standing nearby. He must have thought very little of Galaglass. (laughs) Man, Galaglass is... What the fuck is Galaglass doing? (laughs) He's kind of hopeless. At this moment in time. <laughs> yeah. Even with Gal Glass standing nearby, instinct took over and Matthew ran, his body a blur. Lobero raised an alarm with a booming bark. Commodores were a lot like vampires, bred to protect those they love, loyal to family, large enough to take down wolves and bears, and ready to die rather than yield to another creature. Jack sensed the threat. Without seeing its source, he transformed before my eyes into a creature from nightmares. Teeth bared and his eyes glassy and black. He grabbed me and held me tight, shielding me from whatever loomed behind. But he was restricting the flow of air into my lungs as well. And Diana's like, no, no, you too. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I gasped, wasting the last of my breath. Now there was no way for me to warn Matthew that someone had given our bright, vulnerable boy blood rage. Before Matthew could hurtle over the car's hood, a man climbed out of the driver's seat and grabbed him. He must be a vampire, too, I thought dizzily. If he had the strength to stop Matthew. Stop, Matthew. It's Jack. The man's deep, rumbling voice and distinctive London accent conjured up unwelcome memories of a single drop of blood falling into a vampire's waiting mouth. Andrew Hubbard. Okay, so did you expect him? No. Yes. I didn't either. Yeah. Yes. He had to show up somehow. I just didn't see him showing up with Jack. Right. I kind of did. And I guess because Gene, you and I were not sure about yeah. him that it would I can see why you didn't picture him to show up with Jack I, pic- yeah. I'm, and I pictured him more nefariously like showing up I don't know well don't forget to use that information against I've, her I figured <laughs> also like you he was going to show up nefariously and with that blurb that Penguin put out we were led to expect that there was going to be some sort of big confrontation and battle and I saw him coming yes. out on the side of Benjamin or either on the side of the congregation in Benjamin because it served his status quo or being a chaos agent screwing everybody up. Wow. Yeah, almost like the role that Domenico plays in the TV yeah, show. Yeah, because Domenico's wow. kind of a like chaos, chaos agent too. Yeah. Um, my, mine was just a simple reason that Diana put Jack in the charge of Andrew Hubbard. You know I never make anything simple. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and I love bedtime stories, so I was all, I was all, all so you're like encouraging Jean. Yeah, Jean Moore. <laughs> Tell, me, Tell more. me more. Tell me a story. <laughs> My stories are wrong, like, but they're entertaining. Yes. I mean, we knew Hubbard had a page. We knew he was in charge of Jack. So I was just like, yeah, it's going to be him. Fine. I mean, maybe my imagination shot. I don't know. <laughs> we, need to get, we need to get that fixed. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this plus this equals this. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk fine. about that Keep more going. and save it for the show. Yeah, we will. Okay. So Andrew Hubbard, the vampire king of London, was in New Haven. Stars flickered at the edges of my vision. Because remember, she's still getting choked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matthew snarled and twisted. Hubbard's spine met the metal frame of the car with a bone-crushing thud. It's Jack, Hubbard repeated, gripping Matthew by the neck and forcing him to listen. This time the message got through. Matthew's eyes widened as he looked in our direction. Jack? Matthew's voice was hoarse. Master Royden, without turning, Jack cocked his head to the side as Matthew's voice penetrated the black haze of the blood rage. His grip loosened. Well, thankfully, Jesus. Good grief. <laughs> I drew in a lungful of air, struggling to push back in the star-filled darkness. My hand went instinctively to my belly, where I felt a reassuring poke. Yeah, I'm good, Mom. And then another. Yeah, me too, Mom. All right. Lobera sniffed at my feet and hands as if trying to figure out my relationship to his master and then sat before me and growled at Matthew. <laughs> See, I thought that was great. The dog, the dog growled. <laughs> um, it's like, cool your jets, Matthew. I know. And Matthew's so used to dogs just like fucking bound down to him. So he's probably like, how dare you, yes. dog? <laughs> but it's funny because the original libero was sent by Rudolph. Yeah. And he didn't like that one too much either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a tolerance there. That's all you were going to Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is this another dream? There was a trace of the lost child he had once been in his bass voice. Jack squeezed his eyes shut rather than risk waking up. It's no dream, Jack, Elglass said softly. Step away from Mr. Schroyden now. Matthew poses no danger to his mate. Oh, God. I touched her. Jack sounded horrified. Oh, he's like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble now. Fuck, I did it. <laughs> Slowly, he turned and held up his hands in surrender, willing to accept whatever punishment Matthew saw fit to mete out. Jack's eyes, which had been returning to normal, darkened again. He wasn't angry, so why was the blood rage resurfacing? Hush, I said, gently lowering his arm. You've touched me a thousand times. Matthew doesn't care. Oh, yeah, he does. Diane, that is naive. Come on. And then Jack says, I wasn't this before. Jack's voice was taught with self-loathing. What, a grown-up man? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, let's get real basic here. You weren't a grown-up man before. He was five. Yeah. He was in a, or eight or whatever it was. So, Diana. Five, six, seven or eight. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's a little bit different as opposed to a full-grown man. Well, and also now he's a vampire, so yeah. there's that whole thing. It's interesting, though. Jack as a vampire versus Marcus as a vampire. It's like a product of, they're both products of who brought them up in the vampire world. Like, Jack is all about the rules and the hierarchy yeah. and properness. Marcus is like, I'll take her blood, yeah. you know, yeah. when he wanted to get blood from Diana. Just very easy breezy. Right. So you're suggesting a nature versus nurture thing. Right yeah. You can thank, yeah. you can thank Fr uh, Freya for all that. You can't thank Matthew for mm -hmm. that. Right. <laughs> Matthew was a deadbeat, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talk about deadbeat dad. No joke. He didn't raise any of them, if you come to think about it. <laughs> he didn't raise He's Benjamin. Like he didn't raise Marcus. He didn't raise Jack. Here's this kid I'm 
made. Okay, bye. <laughs> here, here, Galavos, you and Davey take him back. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Matthew drew closer slowly so as not to startle Jack. Andrew Hubbard slammed the car door and followed him. The centuries had done little to change the London vampire. Famous for his priestly ways and his brood of adopted creatures of all species and ages. See, how can anybody hate that guy? He's good. Anyway. So the same, people said the same thing about Jim Jones, but, you know, I digress. I know. I know. Okay. He looked the same, clean shaven, pale of face, and blonde of hair. Okay. So if you guys were picturing the TV guy, this is a total different picture. Yeah. Right. I mean, in the book, I always kind of pictured Paul Bettany. Me too. Mm. In uh, Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creeptastic, guys. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we were all in on that version, so. I know. But he's described so, I don't know, unsavory. Just yes. the waxy skin. I get that he was brought back from the brink of death, too, but it was just, I don't know. He, he was, he I bought was the story Count, they were selling. He was Count Chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. Living he in was. the crypt in the whole nine yards. Come on, Val. I think you were being overly optimistic. You just happened to I, get lucky. <laughs> I, I tend to look at actions. Yeah. Yeah. You did. That's what sold me, because you're like, what has he done? I'm like, uh, nothing. Uh, nothing. I'm so creeped out. But, but he's creepy. I'm, so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still suspicious. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. When we did that episode, I totally got it. Isn't that the one Brad listened to? I think it yes, was. It is. Yeah. I think yeah. he was laughing about the Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> Only Hubbard's slate-colored eyes and somber clothing provided notes of contrast to his otherwise pallid appearance. And his body was still tall and thin with slightly stooped broad shoulders. As the two vampires approached, the dog's growl turned more menacing and his lips peeled back from his teeth. Oh, my God. I so know this. That's what the dogs do to each other, man. (laughs) (laughs) They choose violence. They choose violence every time. Come, Lobero, Matthew commanded. He crouched down and waited patiently while the dog considered his options. He's a one-man dog, Hubbard warned. The only creature he'll listen to is Jack. Libero's wet nose pushed into my hand, and then he sniffed his master. The dog's muzzle lifted to take in the other sense before he moved towards Matthew and Hubbard. Libero recognized Father Hubbard, but Matthew received a more thorough evaluation. When he was through, Libero's tail shifted from left to right. It wasn't exactly a wag, but the dog had instinctively acknowledged the alpha of this pack. Okay. Good boy. Matthew stood and pointed to his heel. Libero obediently swung around and followed as Matthew joined Jack, Galaglass, and me. All right, Muncor, Matthew murmured. Of course, I said, <laughs> a bit short of breath. And you, Jack, Matthew rested his hand on Jack's shoulder. It wasn't a typical de Clermont embrace. This was a father greeting his son after a long separation. A father who had feared that his child had been through hell. I'm better now. Jack could always be relied on to tell the truth when asked a direct question. Now, the direct question is the point there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because from what I remember, he was a big fibber Mm -hmm. a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I overreact when I'm surprised. So do I. Matthew's grip on him tightened a fraction. I'm sorry. You had your back turned and I wasn't expecting to ever see you again. This is also nonchalant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been difficult to stay away. The faint vibration in Jack's voice suggested it had been more than difficult. I can imagine. Why don't we go inside and you can tell us your tale? This was not a casual invitation. Matthew was asking Jack to bear his soul. 
Jack looked worried at the prospect. What you say is your choice, Jack, Matthew assured him. Tell us nothing. Tell us everything. But let's go inside while you do it. Your latest libero is no quieter than your first. He'll have the neighbors calling the police if he keeps barking. Jack nodded. Matthew's head cocked to the side. The gesture made him look a bit like Jack. He smiled. Where has our little boy gone? I don't have to crouch down anymore to meet your eyes. He was very calm for this, I thought. Yeah. The remaining tension left Jack's body with Matthew's gentle teasing. He grinned shyly and scratched Lobero's ears. Father Hubbard will come with us. Could you take the car, Galaglass, and park it somewhere where it's not blocking the road, Matthew asked. Galaglass held out his hand and Hubbard put the keys into it. There's a briefcase in the trunk, Hubbard said. Bring it back with you. Galaglass nodded, his lips pressed into a thin line. He gave Hubbard a blistering look before he stalked towards the car. He never liked me, Hubbard straightened the lapels on his Astor black jacket, which he wore over a black shirt. Even after more than 600 years, the vampire remained a cleric at heart. He nodded at me, acknowledging my presence for the first time. Mistress Royden, my name is Bishop. I wanted to remind him of the last time we'd seen each other and the agreement he had made and broken based on the evidence before me. Dr. Bishop then, Hubbard's strange, multicolored eyes narrowed. You didn't keep your promise, I hissed. Jack's agitated stare settled on my neck. What promise? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, Jack always had excellent hearing, but I'd forgotten that he was now gifted with preternatural senses, too. I swore I'd take care of you and Annie for Mistress Royden, Hubbard said. Father Hubbard kept his word, mistress, Jack said quietly. I wouldn't be here otherwise. And we're grateful to him. Matthew looked anything but. He tossed me the keys to the house and Galglass still had my bag. And without its contents, I had no way to open the door. Hubbard caught them instead and turned the key in the lock. Take Lobero upstairs and get him some water, Jack. The kitchen's on the first floor. Matthew plucked the keys from Hubbard's grass as he went past and put them in a bowl on the hall table. Jack called to Libero and obediently started up the worn painted treads. You're dead man, Hubbard. And so is the one who made Jack a vampire. Matthew's voice was no more than a hollow murmur. Jack heard it nonetheless. You can't kill a masteroid and Jack stood at the top of the stairs, his fingers wrapped tightly around Libero's collar. Father Hubbard is your grandson. He's my maker, too. Now that shit surprised me. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Okay. What the? Okay. Jack turned away and we heard the cabinet doors open and then water running from an open tap. The sounds were oddly homely, considering that a conversational bomb had just gone off. (laughs) It's like he dropped the mic and walked off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. My grandson, Matthew looked at Hubbard in shock, but that means, it means, Benjamin Fox is my sire. Andrew Hubbard's origins had always been shrouded in obscurity. London legend said that he had been a priest when the Black Death first visited England in 1349. After Hubbard's parishioners all succumbed to the illness, Hubbard had dug his own grave and climbed into it. Some mysterious vampire had brought Hubbard back from the brink of death, but no one seemed to know who. Except for us and you, audience. We all know now. It's and Benjamin. TV viewers. And TV viewers. Yep. Yeah, they got the early. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> they got the preview. As far as your son was concerned, I was only a tool, someone he made to further his aims in England. 
Benjamin hoped I would have blood rage, Hubbard continued. He also hoped I would help him organize an army to stand against the de Claremonts and their allies. So Benjamin had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. But he was disappointed on both counts, and I've managed to keep him away from me and my flock until now. Okay, until now. What happened? What's happened, Matthew? (laughs) So that goes into our listener email. Like, why now? Why were they looking for Matthew now? This is why now. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Benjamin wants Jack. I can't let him have the boy again, was Hubbard's equally abrupt reply. Again? That man-man had been with Jack. I turned blindly towards the stairs, but Matthew caught me by the wrist and trapped me with his chest. Wait, he commanded. Galaglass came through the door with a large black briefcase and my book bag. He surveyed the scene and dropped what he was carrying. What's happened now? Oh, God. (laughs) He's he's like, I can't even with you guys. He asked, looking from Matthew to Hubbard. Father Hubbard made Jack a vampire, I said, as neutrally as I could. Jack was still listening, after all. Galaglass slammed Hubbard against the wall. You bastard. I could smell your scent all over him, I thought. It was Galaglass's turn to be tossed against something. Now, see, Gal Glass, he jumped to an even bigger conclusion than Angela and I did. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I know, you, Gal Glass. Where's your head, though? Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, you really went too far. Although I do have to say about Father Hubbard, I did think at one point, I better not get bad news that he's doing things to those kids. So I guess I'm not that, <laughs> not that far off. Oh. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> Well, I mean, it was more like, if anything, it was more like running a, a gang of criminal kids is what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking more I land did. of misfit toys, dude. <laughs> I was all innocent. It would have to do, although you, ha- I have to think my thoughts and opinions were also formed by the time I was reading this. And I don't know if there was news around this time mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff or the, the age of my own kids. Mm-hmm. Or- right. You know, In fact, we were all, mode. all growing up during the McMartin nursery scandal. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. See, I thought Land of Misfit Toys. See, Val has no <laughs> imagination or she's overly <laughs> naive or well, I, I was just thinking child pickpocket. Yeah, it's true. It was Galaglass's turn to be tossed against something. In his case, it was the floor. Hubbard pressed one polished black shoe against the big Gale's sternum. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe you should practice wrestling a little bit better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe he likes getting pinned. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? There we go. <laughs> Was that your story? I need to fan You must myself. apologize to Angela. I sorry, need to Angela. fan myself. I'm That's so sorry. Okay. I'm allowed a water break now. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it for the snort. <laughs> yeah, a snort is always good. Uh, okay. Put that in your sound effects. We may need it again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just call those up on command. <laughs> Oh, my God. Anyways. I was astonished that someone who looks so skeletal can be so strong. Yeah, well. Vampires, what's you going to do? Yeah, I know. God, <laughs> Diana, you should have figured it out by now. Thought what, Galaglass? Hubbard's tone was menacing. That I'd violated a child? Apparently so, and that's what he was thinking. Well, yeah, apparently. Upstairs, Jack's rising agitation soured the air. He had learned from an early age how quickly ordinary quarrels can turn violent. As a boy, he'd found even a hint of disagreement between Matthew and me distressing. 
Cora, I cried, instinctively wanting her support. See, Diana thinks a little differently than me because I feel like Cora in the mix would just make things shit worse. Yeah. Yes. Especially if you saw the TV show before reading this. Be like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. Oh, man. Because <laughs> the only time Cora was called is like, shit's gonna, gonna go down. Right. Anyway, I digress. By the time my fire drake swooped down from our bedroom and landed on the newel post, Matthew had averted any potential bloodshed by picking up Galglass and Hubbard by the scruffs of their neck, <gasps> prying them apart and shaking them until their teeth rattled. Damn. Okay, I, I just had a thought. I mean, okay, going back to the title of this episode and mm-hmm. Jack's scent, which is coal fires and foggy mornings. Yeah. That ties into Cora, fire and fog. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So maybe they have an affinity towards one another because of that, which perhaps or yeah, yeah, which Cora just gets more and more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways. But if you were like just watching the show, you think she was some kind of crazy phoenix who lit shit on fire at Diana's command. (laughs) The the menacing Grand (laughs) Funk Railroad cover. (laughs) Cora! You may call me Cora! (laughs) Come again? (laughs) What she sleeps? Repeat yourself? (laughs) Repeat yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Angela, it was you who mentioned that I had said that. It's like, wait, what she said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we were watching the show, we're like, what? Yeah. What? 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 Uh, Cora gave an irritated bleat and fixed a malevolent stare on Father Hubbard, suspecting quite rightly that he was to blame for her interrupted nap. Was he though? But okay, now in his defense, was he? No. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Everybody gives Gal Glass a pass. Well, just don't forget he was also chasing after her with a pike. So yeah. that's true. He's fucking fire Drake. He's not very nice to the fucking fire Drake. True. I'll be damned. Jack's fair head peeked over the railing. Didn't I tell you Cora would survive the time-walking Father H? He gave a hoot of delight and pounded on the painted wood. Jack's behavior reminded me so strongly of the joyous boy he had once been. I had to fight back the tears. Cora let out an answering cry of welcome, followed by a stream of fire and song that filled the entrance with happiness. She took flight, zooming up and latching her wings around Jack. Then she tucked her head atop his and began to croon, her tail encircling his ribs so that the spade-shaped tip could gently pat his back. Aww. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if the entranceway is also like all sooty and charred, but, you know. Right. right. I'm like... like Song, that's nice. Yeah. Flames, though. Yeah, flames, flames I'm kind of worried about. It's like, I hope your homeowner's yeah. insurance covers that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, how do you explain that on the write-up? Yeah, we don't cover pets that emit flames, yeah. so, like, yeah. Why was somebody using a blowtorch in the Weird. foyer? <laughs> Lobera padded over to his master and gave Cora a suspicious sniff. She must have smelled like family, and therefore a creature to be included among his many responsibilities. And there you go. He dropped down at Jack's side, head on his paws, but eyes still watchful. Your tongue is even longer than Lobero's, Jack said, trying not to giggle as Cora tickled his neck. I can't believe she remembers me. Oh, I mean, for Cora, it was only a few seconds ago. I just got there. Okay. Of course she remembers you. How could she forget someone who spoiled her with currant buns? I said with a smile. By the time we settled into the living room overlooking Court Street, the blood rage had receded from Jack's veins. Aware of his low position in the house's pecking order, he waited until everyone else took a chair before choosing his own seat. He was ready to join the dog on the floor when Matthew patted the sofa cushion. 
sit with me, Jack. Matthew's invitation held a note of command. Jack sat, pulling at the knees of his jeans. You look to be around 20, Matthew observed, hoping to draw him into conversation. 20, maybe 21, Jack yeah. said. Leonard and I, you remember Leonard? Matthew <laughs> nodded. We figured it out because my memories of the Armada. Nothing specific, you understand, just the fear of the Spanish invasion in the streets. The lighting of beacons and the victory celebrations. I must have been at least five in 1588 to remember that. I did some rapid calculations. That meant Jack was made a vampire in 1603. The plague. The disease had swept through London with a vengeance that year. I noticed a mottled patch on his neck just under his ear. It looked like a bruise, but it must be a mark left by a plague sore. For it to remain visible after Jack became a vampire suggested that he had been moments from death when Hubbard transformed him. I, Jack said, looking down at his hands. He turned them this way and that, and he died from it 10 years earlier. It's like, oh, damn. That was like a truth bomb nobody wanted to hear. Soon after Master Marlowe was killed in Deptford. So it must have been soon after she started working for Shakespeare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wondered what had happened to her, Annie. I had imagined her a prosperous seamstress with her own business. I hope she would have married a good man and had children. But she died while still a teenager. Her life snuffed out before it truly began. That was a dreadful year, Mistress Royden. The dead were everywhere. By the time Father Hubbard and I learned she was sick, it was too late. Jack said his expression bereft. You're old enough to call me Diana, I said gently. Jack plucked at his jeans without replying. Father Hubbard took me in when you left, he continued. Sir Walter was in trouble and Lord Northumberland was too busy at court to look after me. So, yeah, that was his poor planning on their part. Well, we knew that Mm -hmm. as soon as they planned that. Yeah. This is not going to end well. What are you thinking, Matthew? You know he's going to. You know this stuff is coming. Come on. Jack smiled at Hubbard with obvious affection. Those were good times running about London with a gang. And then Hubbard says, I was on very intimate terms with the sheriff during your so-called good times. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. You and Leonard got into more mischief than any two boys who ever lived. And Jack's like, nah, the only real serious trouble is when we snuck into the tower to take Sir Walter, his books, and stayed on to pass a letter from him to Lady Raleigh. And Matthew's like, you did what? (laughs) (laughs) Matthew shuddered and shook his head. Christ, Jack, you never could distinguish between a petty crime and a hanging offense. (laughs) Jack's like, well, I can now. What? (laughs) Jack said cheerfully. Then his expression became nervous once more. Lobero's head raised and he rested his muzzle on Jack's knee. Don't be mad at Father Hubbard. He only did what I asked, Master Royden. Leonard explained creatures to me long before it became one. So I knew what you and Galglass and Davy were. Things made better sense after that. Jack paused. I should have had the courage to face death and accept it, but I couldn't go to my grave without seeing you again. My life felt unfinished. So see, Matthew, it's your fault, really. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Everything. This whole <laughs> this whole book is his fault. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's always his fault. And how does it feel now? Matthew asks. And Jack says, long, lonely, and hard. Harder than I ever imagined. Jack twisted Lobero's hair, rolling the strands until they formed a type rope. He cleared his throat, but it was all worth it for today, he continued softly, every bit of it. 
Matthew's long arm reached for Jack's shoulder. He squeezed it and then quickly let go again. For a moment, I saw the desolation and grief on my husband's face before he donned his composed mask once more. It was the vampire version of a disguising spell. Father Hubbard told me his blood might make me ill, Master Royden. Jack shrugged. But I was already sick. What difference would it make to change one illness for another? I guess from his perspective, I I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it's not unlike Matthew's turning. Yeah. No shit. No difference at all, I thought, except one kills you and the other could make you a killer. Oh, Diana. Semantics. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew was right to tell you, Matthew said. Father Hubbard looked surprised by this admission. I don't imagine your grandsire gave him the same consideration. Matthew was careful to use the terms that Hubbard and Jack used to describe their relationship to Benjamin. Or Isabel. Yeah. Yeah. No, he wouldn't have done. My grandsire doesn't believe that he owes anyone an explanation for any of his actions. Jack shot to his feet and traveled aimlessly around the room, Lobero following. He examined the molding door, running his finger along the wood. You have the sickness in your blood too, Master Royden. I remember it from Greenwich. But it doesn't control you like it does my grandsire and me. So here we're finding out Matthew has a really mild version of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I guess in when he says it did once, it makes me think that Philippe and Isabel and everybody just fucking beat it into him to control himself. So Matthew looked at Galglass and gave him a slight nod. And then Galglass says, I remember when Matthew was wild as the devil and nigh invisible with a sword in his hand. Even the bravest men ran in terror. Galglass leaned forward, his hands clasped, his knees spread wide. My grandsire told me about Matthew's past, Jack shuddered. He said that Matthew Matthew's talent for killing was in me, too, and I had to be true to it or you would never recognize me as your blood. And Benjamin, you were foul for that. I want to strangle him here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd seen Benjamin's unspeakable cruelty on camera, how he twisted hopes and fears into a weapon to destroy a creature's sense of self. That he had done so with Jack's feelings for Matthew made me blind with fury. I clenched my hands into fists, tightening the cords of my fingers until the magic threatened to burst through my skin. Benjamin doesn't know me as well as he thinks. Anger was building in Matthew, too, his spicy scent growing sharper. I would recognize you as mine before the entire world and proudly, even if you weren't of my blood. Hubbard looked uneasy. His intention shifted from Matthew to Jack. You would make me your blood-sworn son? Jack slowly turned to Matthew. Like Philippe did with Mistress Royden? I mean, Diana? Matthew's eyes widened slightly as he nodded, trying to absorb the fact that Philippe had known of Matthew's grandchildren when Matthew had not. See, Matthew, you don't know everything. You don't have to know everything. (laughs) A look of betrayal crossed his face. Philippe visited me whenever he came to London, Jack explained, oblivious to the changes in Matthew. He told me to listen for his blood vow because it was loud and I would probably hear Mistress Royden before I saw her. Mm -hmm. And you were right. Miss Diana, Matthew's father was really as big as the emperor's bear. If you met my father, then I'm sure you heard plenty of tales about my bad behavior. And this is where Matthew was wrong. And I I like this because Mm -hmm. the muscle in Matthew's jaw had started trickling as betrayal turned to bitterness and he's getting all himself all worked up. Oh, yeah. Right. But Jack's Jack's like, no. And he was confused. He's like, Philippe spoke only of his admiration and said, you would teach me to ignore what my blood was telling me to do. So there, Matthew. There you go. Stop with your pity party. Yeah. Matthew jerked as though he had been hit. 
Philippe always made me feel closer to you and Mistress Royden, calmer too. Jack looked nervous again, but it has been a long time since I saw Philippe. And then Matthew had to explain he was captured in the war Mm -hmm. and died as a result of what he suffered. Mm -hmm. It was a careful half-truth. This is Diana saying that. Mm -hmm. Father Hubbard had told me I'm glad Philippe didn't live to see. This time the shudder traveled through Jack from the marrow of his bones to the surface of his skin. His eyes went full black without warning, filled with horror and dread. Jack's present suffering was far worse than what Matthew had to endure. With Matthew, it was only bitter fury that brought the blood rage to the surface. With Jack, it was a wider range of emotions that triggered it. Oh, God, Jack is like unhinged there. (laughs) It's all right. Matthew was with him in an instant. One hand clamped around his neck and the other resting on his cheek. Libero pawed at Matthew's foot as if to say, do something. Don't touch me when I'm like this, Jack snarled, pushing at Matthew's chest. But he might as well have tried to move a mountain. You'll make it worse. You think you can order me around, pup? Matthew's eyebrow arched. Whatever you think is so terrible, just say it. You'll feel better once you do. With Matthew's encouragement, Jack's confession tumbled from some dark place inside where he stored up everything that was evil and terrifying. Benjamin found me a few years ago. He had said he'd been waiting for me. My grandsire promised to take me to you, but only after I proved I was really one of Matthew de Clermont's blood. Galglass swore. Jack's eyes darted at him and a snarl broke free. Keep your eyes on me, Jack. Matthew's tone made it clear that any resistance would be met with a swift and harsh reprisal. My husband was performing an impossible balancing act, one that required unconditional love along with a steady assertion of dominance. Pack dynamics were always fraught. With blood rage, they can turn deadly in an instant. Jack dragged his attention from Galglass and his shoulders lowered a fraction. Then what happened, Matthew prompted. I have a question. Oh, go ahead. How did Diana know all this? She never actually had a deal with his blood rage all that much. I don't know. Because all, all of a sudden, she's there's all this exposition about details of blood rage. But were there blood rage lessons with Philippe off page or, you know, she's... I don't know. Or she's just going based on her what she's seen. But she hasn't. My point uh, being is she really hasn't seen that other than the, the hay barn. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only time she's really seen Matthew in a full blood rage. So those are the only times we know that she's seen because if you remember, we weren't with them every single moment. It skipped from place to place to place. She's never described each and every instance. So it's kind of lazy in the way it's written. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying I don't think she's really... Modern Matthew could control it. Don't forget yeah, that, sure. too. He had it under much better control. She does always remark on the condition of his eyes, though. So she's observant of yeah. that. And I think... I, I, I'm just saying that, that there was like somebody's the doing some shortcutting here. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, I acknowledge that okay. for sure. It's like we've only seen what Diana has said she's seen. But meanwhile, the last book has jumped from place to place. There was no singular timeline where we were with them every single moment. I understand what you're saying, but I also think it's also part of the process of bolstering her to be the all-knowing savior in this uh, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah, sage yeah. Diana. Yes, yes. As well as and I'm the like, superpower well, Diana. Okay. There's no path to her being the sage other than, you know, just spewing all this stuff now because she needs to. Yeah. yeah. At least in the TV show, we've seen it three times just yeah. about. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Hay Barn was one... And then when they were arguing in Prague and she put the flames around the door yeah. jam to prevent him, he looked like he was on the verge there. And then in, well, it wasn't Bedlam, but wherever they were after Louisa and Kit. That um, was Bedlam. 
he seemed the yeah okay so he seemed the worst yeah. in that in that episode but they also made it seem like she could instead of him controlling in the hay barn like he he brought himself back and said i haven't been that way in a long time i've always been control yeah. in control of it they made her seem like she brought him back in bedlam yeah like it was her gift to yeah. talk him down so okay so in the beginning of the tv show when he looked fucking crazy when he's like walk don't run you know? oh yeah, yeah. right yeah. Yeah. And it's like oh we saw it then too so yeah, true. i don't know if that it was you blood know. rage so much as just other things i don't know (laughs) he was hangry he was just hangry he was hangry but boy he was just like and i'm like whoa that was primal for sure that was weird weird i was like that face is like oh you don't fuck with this guy even though i think that was also like here's no doubt here's no doubt tv viewers he's a vampire okay i i'm sorry i gave us another that's okay okay. no but i see what you're saying jim because this the sometimes the storyline tends to do that to diana and especially this book (laughs) tends to do it has to because it's in her point of view and she's got to get information to the readers and it Mm -hmm. seems just out of place well a lot. yeah, yeah. And then we've got the whole yeah. the whole thing that it was probably a 1200 page draft that got cut down to 600 pages so there is that yeah right so jack dragged his attention from gal glass and his shoulders lowered a fraction then what happened matthew prompted i killed again and again the more i killed the more i wanted to kill the blood did more than feed me it fed the blood rage too which for me was important information yeah. i'm like oh shit it's a vicious circle yeah and then matthew was like it was clever of you to understand that so quickly matthew said approvingly sometimes i came to my senses long enough to realize that what i was doing was wrong i tried to save the warm bloods then then i couldn't stop drinking jack confessed i managed to turn two of my prey into vampires benjamin was pleased with me then only two a shadow flitted across matthew's features because i'm thinking at this time he's thinking oh shit this is part of the we can't reproduce shit yes, and, right know. benjamin wanted me to save more but it took too much control no matter what i did most of them died jack's inky eyes filled with blood tears the pupils taken on a red sheen where did these deaths occur? Matthew sounded only mildly curious, but my sixth sense told me that the question was crucial to understanding what had happened to Jack. Everywhere, I had to keep moving. There was so much blood. I had to get away from the police, the newspapers. Jack shuddered. And then Diana's thinking to herself, vampire on the loose in London. I remember the vivid headlines and all the clippings of the vampire murders that Matthew had collected from around the world. I bowed my head, not wanting Jack to realize I knew that he was the murderer whom European authorities were seeking. But it's the ones that lived who suffered the most, Jack continued, his voice deadening further with every word. My grandsire took my children from me and said he would make sure they were raised properly. Ooh. Oh, shit. I mean, yeah. yeah. Peter was supposed to be the faux expert on the vampire murders. I mean, he had no idea <laughs> how expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he just took the paycheck, man. And yeah. Said yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the last administration. <laughs> Matthew looked deep into his eyes trying to make a connection Jack shook his head when I made those children I broke my vow to Father Hubbard he said the world didn't need more vampires there are plenty already and if I was lonely I could take care of creatures whose families didn't want them anymore all Father Hubbard asked that I do not make children but I failed him again and again and after that I couldn't go back to London not with so much blood on my hands and I couldn't stay with my grandson when I told Benjamin I wanted to leave, he went into a terrible rage and killed one of my children in retaliation. His sons held me down and forced me to watch. And Jack bit back a heart's sound. And my daughter, my daughter, they 
I'm like, oh, God. Mm. Awful. He retched. He clamped a hand over his mouth, but uh, it was too late to keep the blood from escaping as he vomited. It streamed all over his chin, soaking into his dark shirt. Uh, Lobero leaped up, barking sharply and pawing at his back. Unable to stay away a moment longer, I rushed to Jack's side. Diana, Galaglass cried. You must not. Don't tell me what to do. Get me a towel. I snapped. Jack fell to his hands and knees, his landing softened by Matthew's strong arms. I knelt beside him as he continued to purge his stomach of its contents. Galglass handed me a towel. I used it to mop Jack's face and hands, which were covered in blood. The towel was soon sodden and icy cold from my frantic efforts to staunch the flow. The contact was so much vampire blood making my hands numb and clumsy. The force of the vomiting must have broken some blood vessels in his stomach and throat, Matthew said. Andrew can get a pitcher of water, put plenty of ice in it. Hubbard went to the kitchen and was back in moments. Here, he said, thrusting the pitcher at Matthew. Raise his head, Diana, Matthew instructed. Keep hold of him, Andrew. His body is screaming for blood. He'll fight against taking water. What can I do, Galglass said, his voice gruff. Wipe off Lobero's paws before he tracks blood all over the house. Jack won't need any reminders of what has happened. Matthew gripped Jack's chin. Jack! Jack's glassy black eyes swiveled towards Matthew. Drink this, Matthew commanded, raising Jack's chin a few inches. Jack spluttered and snapped in an attempt to throw him off, but Hubbard kept Jack immobilized long enough to empty the pitcher. Jack hiccuped and Hubbard loosened his hold. Well done, Jackie, Galglass said. I smoothed Jack's hair away from his forehead as he bent forward again, clutching his visibly heaving stomach. I got blood on you, he whispered. My shirt was streaked with it. So you did. It's not the first time a vampire blood on me, Jack. Try to rest now, Matthew told him. You're exhausted. I don't want to sleep, Jack swallowed hard as the gorge rose again in his throat. Shh, I rubbed his neck. I can promise there'll be no more nightmares. How can you be sure, Jack asked. Magic. I traced the pattern of the fifth knot on his forehead and lowered my voice to a whisper. Mirror shimmers, monsters shake, banished nightmares until he wakes. Jack's eyes closed slowly. After a few minutes, he was curled on his side, sleeping peacefully. I wove another spell, one that was meant just for him. It required no words, for no one would ever use it but me. The threads surrounding Jack were a furious snarl of red, black, and yellow. I pulled on the healing green threads that surrounded me, as well as the white threads that helped break curses and establish new beginnings. I twisted them together and tied them around Jack's wrists, fixing the braid with a secure six-cross knot. Um, See, that's a lot of description for some magic that lost me. I, I'm i wondering <laughs> if it's going to turn out that, to me, it's like, gosh, it sounds like she's, in a way, she's very specifically spellbinding his blood rage yeah while he sleeps yeah so much for her saying later on that she would never do that to her kids i think she just did here well maybe maybe it was like you know her doing magic unconsciously while she was making tenure you know yeah (laughs) right she wasn't even thinking about that stuff or this this ended up in the book and then nobody bothered to excuse my bad analogy tie all the loose ends together and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'll, for all of this, I'm never going to spellbind my kids. It kind of sounds like this spell was, because it's never explained as we go on. No, you're just allowed to just guess at it. Yeah. Or maybe push it off like I did the first read where I'm like, uh, this is too okay, confusing. So magic, magic, magic. Yeah. yeah, magic, magic, magic. Let's move on. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So she says there's a guest room upstairs. We'll put Jack to bed there. Corin Lobero will let us know if he stirs. Will he be all right? Matthew asked Hubbard. When it comes to Jack, you don't need my permission, Hubbard replied. Yes, I do. You're his father. I'm only his sire, Hubbard says softly. You're Jack's father, Matthew. You always have been. And that is the end. 
what a good chapter. Yay. Although in some ways it's way more horrifying than the final confrontation, yeah. actually. Uh, this was good. I thought, just reading it through that time, the magic parts, when they go through the descriptions, I realize I kind of blew them off the first time. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, here's more magic. You know, magic just magic happens. Is, you can just say, ma- insert magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> magic's happening. Magic happens here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Give me the story. More story. But as I read that, it's like, okay, she's doing something. I cannot picture it. But, of course, the TV show images float in my head and she's tiny in these little threads and doing all these things. Yeah. And it also feels kind of like a magic rubber band on his wrist to keep him from doing unwelcome behaviors. You know how they yeah. say snap yeah. the rubber band instead of bite your right. nails or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's true. If we don't want to go so far as it's like kind of spell binding. <laughs> snap your rubber band. The magic <laughs> snap your rubber band if you go into blood rage. Yeah. Here you go. I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to make some sense out of it. Yeah. See, and then that's why I don't let myself get too analytical mm-hmm. with the magic part because then I actually try to make sense of it and make it work. Yeah. And then yes. I get too tied to my theories and then I'm like, eh, mm. yeah. it's just magic. A, I think we all are, but I'm a why person. Like, why red, black, and yellow? Why well, six cross? Why, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the red and black are Matthew. The Claremont colors. Yeah. The yellow is kind of like, okay. I don't know. I'd have to go back to that chapter. Wasn't the ye- what didn't each- the yellow go to Edward Kelly? It went to Edward Kelly, yeah. So were they tied with emotions or intentions or, or, or people? Or were, the, were those... The threads that Jack was giving off that tied him to both the Declaremonts and his demon. Maybe he's he's got far more demon in him than Matthew did. Right. Because I kept thinking, okay, so each thread has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking maybe the intention. But then I was thinking maybe I should go back to that chapter yeah. when her threads got absorbed <laughs> in her hands. And I wasn't paying attention then either. Well, and that's the problem. Yeah. Right. I agree. That's the problem. Yeah, and I, but yeah. I just kind of think it's more, more to do with the threads from when they grabbed the book and Shadow of Night and she saw the threads coming off the book to Matthew and Diana and Kelly. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've analyzed this whole story a lot, but this is the point where I'm at now that I just want the spark notes. Yeah. Someone just tell me why. I don't even want to try to figure it out. Just tell me. Is that we're the spark notes. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, We'll we'll just have to look at that. There's another reason. It's like, wait a minute. The the magic rubber band made my eyebrows raise is the fact that, you know, she uses the word curses. And I'm like, she's doing some sort of spell work with the actual blood rage. Yeah. Because why else would you pull in something to neutralize a curse? Right. But nothing else happens with this again. So, which is kind of why I'm like, <laughs> she's spellbound as blood rage, but she won't spell yeah. blind, spellbind as blood rage. So it's kind of like, okay, we'll just, yeah. we'll just put this over on the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what I mentally did first going through it. I don't know. Maybe on the after show, we can look it up and see what they actually mean. The lack of resolution is just, yeah. Yeah. And something else struck me, too, is that with Father Hubbard, he made some children there himself. Mm -hmm. But it also makes me wonder, this is an old crazy theory of mine, is when people come into his family and he gets their taste Uh of their blood. I wonder if he he actually is a a vampire super taster and can taste the the potential for blood rage. Cut like cilantro. (laughs) (laughs) You know how cilantro tastes like soap to some people? Maybe maybe the potential for blood rage tastes like soap to him. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, that was a cracktastic theory I had back in 2015. Your freaking mind is fascinating. I swear. Well, but I mean, fascinating mind. Well, it's kind of like he made all these vampires, but I mean, Jack had blood rage. And he explained to him, you may get sick. 
which makes me think that he somehow knew that Jack may be predisposed to this. And I'm like, well, how would he know yeah. that? And it's like, well, he does taste everybody's blood. So That's true. I know. True. And it sounds, I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds a little less crazy than it actually sounds. Okay. So <laughs> remind me when we get to the end of this book uh-huh. to bring that back up. Okay. When we get to the <laughs> scientific conclusion of why yeah. blood rage creatures uh, exist. I thought Hubbard's disclosure was just that, a disclosure. I signed a disclosure closure for Harlow to play volleyball this season and basically they if you go from point A to point Z yeah. volleyball can cause oh, death. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? the, uh, the Bob Farrar <laughs> informed consent for anesthesia. You could get a sore throat or you could die. <laughs> Right. right. You could get you could right. get a runny nose or you could die. Or people or you like spouting out those symptoms at the end of like a pharmaceutical commercial. Yes. And that's just how Father Hubbard is like, yeah, you know, may cause blood rage or you could die. So, yeah. you know, before I do this. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Excellent point. Oh, God. Anything else, guys? Or have no. we like wrung it dry? Yeah, I think the cilantro is about <laughs> as dry as we're going to run it. <laughs> Vampire cilantro. <laughs> All right, let's gavel it. Going once, going twice. So, old. yay! All right, let's go on to housekeeping. Now, this episode's housekeeping is brought to us by Nicole Mena. So, thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Housekeeping. So, who's got housekeeping for us? I do. Oh, I do. I do. Oh, oh I'll, 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 then, then you can do your good. You've got like excellent news housekeeping, so I'll do mine first. Okay. Okay. Good. Mine's from Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. And I think this is a new Lynn, a new uh, discusser, first time housekeeping. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. You fabulous ladies just keep going into the ditch. <laughs> open a bottle of yeah. open a bottle of wine and wait for the sun to come out. I need you to tell us where you find your fan fiction, aka Gallaglass shows Chris his best moves. P.S. Digging the press <laughs> your luck tunes. <laughs> oh. Lynn, that was part of the game show sound effects package that I had not tapped into. And I felt like I was overusing the uh, loser horn, loser horn, which is absolutely one of my favorites. So I figured I'd mix it up with the pressure luck. You know, (laughs) that one. Okay, so Angela, what do you have? I have a 15 star review. And Kindle customer titled it Unbelievably Irreverent, but Freakishly Talented. Wow. Wow. And gave us, yeah, five stars overall, five stars for performance, (laughs) and five stars for story. To me, that's 15 stars, so that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They go on to say, these three demonic divas are the epitome of intelligence and wit when it comes to discussing and analyzing these books by Deborah Harkness. It says darkness, but I'm sure it's Harkness. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They have a refreshing take on each small aspect and boy do they have a fantastically hilarious way of conveying the facts five stars lady you deserve each one. Oh, okay thank you thank you <laughs> i thought you were saying uh you deserve each other <laughs> that's, that's not a lie either no not a lie thank you kindle user yeah, very nice. Very nice. Thank you, Kindle Thank you. user. Okay, I have one from our friend Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Uh, she says, "Okay, while sitting in this damn ditch again, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for that tow truck to arrive again." <laughs> Perhaps you can enjoy this. Now, Jean can fact check me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Greeks and Romans wrestle naked? 
Oh, yes, they did indeed. In fact, the, the, the uh, Athenian Olympics were completely nude. All athletics. Right. It's like nobody needs to see all that running and the dangly bits flopping in the breeze. No, thanks. <laughs> thank the Lord. for Naked wrestling. Yeah, thank the Lord for jogging shorts. Or something. Yeah. Perhaps that's what peaked. Trissa's interest? I mean, read the description Deb gives us of Galgas. And well, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Sorry, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> she says, once again, brilliant job. Thanks for the snorting giggles. My hubby is ready to have me committed. <laughs> ah, it's good. Um, he just doesn't understand. Peace and love, Barbara. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Barbara. Barbara. Anytime. Oh, there's a P.S. here. Hang on a second. P.S. Thumbs up and five stars. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the five stars. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that leads us to save it for the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, this might be an interesting save it for the show or not. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's how we set our all, all shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this might be interesting or not. I yeah. Don't know. This time, save it for the show is brought to us by Catherine Brown. Thank you. Thank Catherine. you, Catherine. Thank you. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save for the okay, show. save it for the show. Topic. Feelings and need to branch out creatively. Where do you want to start? Who wants to start? There's a lot to say here. Yeah. We have a lot to we say. We have a lot to say. Go I ahead. Mean, and part of it is because we've been doing this for so long that we just don't want to get in a rut. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're coming quickly to season three and the end mm-hmm. of the show and the book's being written, but no telling when that'll be released. So yeah, we're looking for ways to keep fresh. Yes. And what ways are we looking to keep fresh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Angela was going to uh, mention that we did get a glimpse of season three, finally. Yes. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Very short. In this guy showcase, we got a super quick glimpse of Matthew and a super quick glimpse. I mean, like one second, that's how quick it was, of Diana. Right. So we're kind of in a dry spell. Yeah. Yeah. In this fandom. And it's frustrating, especially since Diana had that bad 80s blouse I gave to Goodwill back in probably 1998. (laughs) So it was it was like Carol Burnett, Scarlett O'Hara <laughs> meets the eighties too. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it was it was troubling. It's like I almost wish they would have gone with a pussy bow instead. Oh yeah. wow. <laughs> But um, I digress. That's my fashion take for the day. But we're coming on 10, 10 years, one decade of dissecting these books and maybe half that of actually speaking about them yeah, publicly. publicly. So we're actually on our sixth year. So come September, it'll be six years. Wow. And then we'll be I, like, entering our seventh year. Like Jean said, we're searching for ways to keep fresh. And I myself, although I'm interested and invested in these characters, I, I don't know. It's a long time to mm-hmm. be doing this on the same topic. It is a long time. So. So uh, what we have been talking about, and none of this is set in stone, guys. What we have been talking about is doing next season as far as the TV show, finishing out the Book of Life to finish out the trilogy. And then we will, as new books come out, as we're feeling fresh, we will release new seasons as far as this is happening, as far as the All Souls universe as far as the All Souls series, because it's now no longer the All Souls trilogy. It is the series. And the series contains Times Convert. And we're not sure everybody has read that, but we know for the most part, our audience consists of people who have read the first three books. So we were thinking about maybe doing something else, maybe exploring another thing to podcast about while we wait for new books to come out. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, think not, of it as Isabel and Philippe separating to take new lovers and always coming yeah. back together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And not instead of, in addition to. In addition yes. to. So we're not going to abandon this platform altogether. But if you remember, we have talked about this a lot when we were talking about our old endeavor, when we were doing Armitage for Claremont, we had to have a plan as far as once they cast Matthew, what are we going to do? So like two years ahead of time, we started talking. It's like, okay, are we going to quit this once it, you know, fails or succeeds? No, we're still going to do what we do, but we have to put another spin on it. We have to just do the series in general instead of a campaign for this actor to play this character, you know? So it's kind of an evolution of us. We will still be around, but we will be transitioning to other things. And then seasonally, we will come back. We're expanding to other things. You know what I mean? Other things. Yeah, there we go. It'll be a demon universe is what it'll be. It is yeah. a demon universe, right? Think of demon, and correct me if I'm wrong, think of demon's domain as the umbrella. Demons discuss is under that umbrella. And whatever else we do is under that umbrella. Yes. yes. So you're not getting rid of us. Uh, people. You're not getting rid of us. Um, a lot of our stuff will fall under the name Lady Demons now. And we can thank Wendy. Yes. For that. She's the first one who ever called us Lady Demons. So we're slowly transitioning all the podcasts. I say all the podcasts because, uh, all the podcasts. We'll leave it at that. I won't say anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast uh, under Demon's Domain, it will eventually be copyright Lady Demons versus copyright Demon's Domain. So we are creating a bigger umbrella, which to encompass what we've already done. And things we may, w- uh, may want to do later. Right. And I'm not sure if you want to follow us. Uh, you know, we haven't really established anything yet, but these are the major conversations we have had. And we're thinking about doing another TV series right now. We're thinking about it hard and Mm -hmm. we won't say anything else. We'll leave it as a mystery right now because that TV series is just kind of shaping up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We can talk about it further on the after show, I think. I think so. Um, Yeah, that's all I had to say about it. So, yeah, it's weird, though. That is weird. It's weird to think that we've been doing this all these years and we are we've cocooned up and now we're getting ready to emerge again as a different butterfly. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But still a butterfly. Yeah. Vague. That was very vague, yes. save for the that show. Was, that was but. the podcast version of vague booking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we won't give you more details. Uh, if you're a patron, you'll be able to follow along. Maybe we'll talk more about it on the after show about what has piqued our interest and what we might do after this. And I think the easy answer for most of you guys would say, you guys are like, Fever series. Oh my God. We don't have enough time in our lives for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, No. we don't have enough time in our lives for that. Um, and that already has a well established fandom to do it justice. Yeah. They're covered over there. So, you know, we're thinking, okay, that's it. Let me stop babbling. Otherwise I'll give the whole thing away. Give away the story, Val. All right. So if you're still with us uh, after that shit and don't feel abandoned by us because we're not, we're going not abandoned. Shit. We're only on chapter 18. We're not going anywhere for at least another year. No. <laughs> um, stay with us through this break and we'll talk about last thoughts and things we can't let go of. 
This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact, and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discuss- and the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela alive. All right. Who's got last thoughts? My last thought is still cilantro. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Okay. It'll bother me until we have our science wrap up at the end. But this whole super taster thing is now going to haunt me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So uh, I have a question before we go on. Mm -hmm. You know, on the tens, we do like kind of different episodes. What do you want to do? Because 90 is coming up, guys. Ooh, Yeah. Hey, why don't we open it up to to our listeners and see if Mm. they can give us some suggestions, too? Oh, that'd be interesting. Did we lose Angela? Uh Oh, I think we lost Angela. Angela. There's no guarantee we'll take anybody's suggestion. But, you know, it's nice to have. Some. No. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, I guess I can put a poll in there. It's like, what would you guys like to talk about on the 10? Would you like to talk about a character? Would you like to talk about a phenomenon? Would you like to talk about mm-hmm. just something outside of the chapters yeah. that we can dedicate an episode to? So I'll put a poll up. And yeah. has Angela messaged us or does she know she's gone? I don't think she knows. She's, no, she hasn't messaged yet. Hey, you saw that. Yeah, I see it. I don't know. You want to close out the episode without Angela? I guess we could. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, she is. Oh, wait, she's back. <laughs> yeah, I got booted somehow. Like a fairy godmother, the great kazoo popping in. Yeah. <laughs> we lost you for a minute. Yeah. We were contemplating yeah. ending the episode without you, but we can't. We can't. Angela, do you have any lost thoughts? Well, now I'm all shaken. <laughs> I rolled out of the back. Um, last thoughts. Just, I guess what we just announced, I'm I'm ready for that. I need something that makes me appreciate um, the story all over again. Maybe yeah. is that yeah. right to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just ex- and maybe push myself, ourselves um, in a different direction creatively, doing things yeah. we've never done. Challenge I mean, ourselves. it's yeah. yes, endings change, new beginnings. Yes. I'm looking right. forward to it. And I think we've always said that when we close out this podcast and we finally close it, close it, we will end with uh, chapter by chapter of Discovery Witches and and like we began. And we won't do five chapters at a we'll time. Like a chapter at a time. A, a chapter at a time and just give it the proper send off. And then we can officially close this podcast. But we will leave it up. It will be because a lot of our content is evergreen. So people can come 10 years from now and still pull up one of our episodes and be fine. So, yeah, besides all the pop culture might be out of date. But But yeah. 
Yeah. So with that, I, I don't feel like we're abandoning our audience this way. I feel like we're inviting them along on our journey as we go back and forth and travel back and forth from yeah. this world to another world. When I say another world, and I will discuss it further. In, it's not another world, the uh, old soap opera. So don't worry about that. Yeah, it's not another world soap opera. And <laughs> it is open to travel several different worlds. I'll leave it at that mm-hmm. instead of just sticking ourselves with one world. We hope you come explore with us. We can safely say we're, we stay in the fantasy realm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we can safely say... It could change from one thing to another, to another, to another. It's just kind of a, it's their thoughts out there yes. right now. Their thoughts. It's, a, it's, it's not a concrete It's a vibing. Plan. We're it's, vibing on some different things right now. That's right. Yeah. Vibing. We're leaving this door open to always come back if there's a new book or a new something in this yeah. universe. Yeah. But we're also open to what, whatever projects pique our interest. This way we can travel. We're also Diana in the crossroads. It's true. I didn't think of mm-hmm. it that way. If we need a, it's that's a crossroads really nice. rather than, uh, than a dead end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my last thoughts. Why haven't you millennials warned me about fucking TikTok? That's number one. (laughs) More on the after show. I am hooked. More on the after show. I am hooked. Okay. So next thing. I've been busy, y'all. More on the after show. Next thing. Keep leaving reviews. We love them. We read them. And I know I say this every single fucking time. It helps people push play when they're hesitant to push play. Because a lot of people push play. They're like, oh, that's not what I wanted at all. And I don't know about you guys, but I read reviews. I like to, like, sometimes I'll read a lot of bad reviews and be like, oh, I got to listen to this shit. (laughs) 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 But most likely, like, if I'm in the app store and I want to download an app and there's four or five apps in there, I will go with the one with the highest reviews. That's it. So if you guys like us and you want to encourage other people to listen, please leave us a five star four star review four star we'll even take that you start with a three star two star one stars we'll read it but we won't like you very much (laughs) (laughs) it's fine it's fine um if you want to continue to support us what's not going away is our patreon we might uh label it a little bit different you can support us on patreon.com slant demons discuss for now it's probably going to stay the same name because i haven't found a way to change it yet but since we in our after show we don't talk about all souls really we kind of just talk about whatever's in front of us it's gonna be just gonna be the after show it's just going to be the after show. It doesn't even have to be Demons Discuss the after show. It'll be the Lady Demons after show, something like that. So, yeah, there's that. And we will still drive into ditches wherever we go. Uh, <laughs> That's for- oh, there's God. always a ditch to drive into. There's always a ditch. And, um, okay, there's a review part. There's a patron thing. And I am so sorry that I have not been reaching out to you for discusser emails and I've been behind and sending out prizes and everything like that. You have to understand that this is the week that we had a major deployment. And also it is the end of year closing of the fiscal year for me and for my job and my position in my job. It leaves a lot of implications. So I am double busy. So I, I'm trying and I've got everything packaged <laughs> up and, <laughs> and it's it's going to be there. So those of you who have won the, what was it? Uh, mystery word contest. I package your shit up. The last uh, Patreon demon related I packaged that up. Uh, August Rewards, I packaged that. It's all in a big pile of packages, and I had, just have to go to the post office now, so that's done. And, yeah, I haven't forgot you. Anyway, 
I think that's it for me. Anything else from you guys? No, I think you covered it all. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's covered. Okay, let's say goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. Demon kiss. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.